at an Ironman race, there's going to be minimum three things that come up that are not what you planned and you better be able to adapt because when you can't adapt, that's when you're not going to finish or you're not going to have the race that you wanted to race. So I think you, I, I think if you're serious about racing, that should be part of your preparation is planning to adapt. When I first started triathlon, I was, I couldn't swim at all. I couldn't make it to the end of the end of the pool. I'm one of those people who could not, it would freak me out. And I actually was working with my coach just to get in the water and go under the water and just hold my breath for like two or three seconds just to be okay before I started my swims. All right, welcome to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast, episode number 120. Yes, 120 with Mary Knott, who has, well, we'll just wait and see how this story unfolds. We're up here in Mount Tremblant. It is absolutely a beautiful, beautiful, amazing location. All the years that I did Lake Placid, or at least attempted to do Lake Placid, people were talking about Mount Tremblant. And at that time, the races were close together, so I was never able to get up here. And they said they were similar, similar venues. But now that I'm up here and experienced this, there are some similarities. But to me, this is a very, very quaint little ski town that it's just, it's just beautiful. And it's meant to have an Ironman. It's, it's really got a nice setup. I love the course. Yeah, I agree. Um, a friend of mine was telling me about this race when I was looking for a late season Ironman. And she said, oh, the entire village. And she just described the village of Montremont, basically what we've been looking at for the last five days and really didn't tell me anything about the race itself. Um, just described the area and I was completely sold. I was, yeah, let's do it. So when was this? When did you plan to come out here? This was in April, towards the beginning of April. Yep. Now you've had a challenging past few months, right? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I, uh, had intended to race, um, four races this spring. So Oceanside, um, Ironman, Texas, Santa Rosa, and Boulder. Um, and then I'm doing the Ultraman world championships in November. So that was going to be kind of my big spring season and then have a little bit of a build up to November. And, um, on April fool's day, I fractured my sacrum and my entire season went out the window. <laughs> what went through your mind at that point? Like what someone who's so driven and so active. Yeah. I mean, if you don't follow Mary, you gotta follow her Instagram account for someone who's so active. Like how did you, how did you work through that? Um, I was definitely, there was like a, a, a few days of complete denial the day that it happened, I, we, I was out on a bike ride and um, went home and actually finished the ride on my trainer. And I was supposed to do a transition run and I couldn't even make it down the block um, <laughs> to the stop sign. I, I mean, I think I barely jogged like 10 feet and it hurt so bad. Um, I, had, I couldn't do it. But that didn't stop me from biking and running for the next seven days. Um, and finally, I, you know, at some point you're like, okay, I can't keep doing this. I need to find out what's going on. And this was like a week before Oceanside. And I went and had an MRI. And the doctor was like, yeah, you have a fracture of, I think it was S2 and S3. I can't remember exactly. But there was two bones in my sacrum that were fractured. And he was like, you can't run or bike for eight weeks. You can walk and you can swim if you don't do flip turns. And, um, so that was my new normal swimming and walking. <laughs> you know, I think one time, not one, there was a time when I was preparing for the Boston marathon and I went snowboarding and I hit a tree really hard and I hit the back of my tailbone which I wonder if it was a similar thing where I, I couldn't yeah. run like and I couldn't run and getting to Boston, it still was like, it's like a pain. It's like the pa most painful thing. You can't sit. Yeah. You can't sit down. That was the worst sitting. And then I sleep on my back and just trying to like sleep was so uncomfortable. 
So then at that point, did you look at, what did you have on the calendar moving forward? So that was April 1st. Oh, so you still had, you had your whole season. Yeah. 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 So we went to, I, I got, we went to Oceanside. I ended up not racing and drove back home on Monday and got the MRI that night. And then Thursday we were leaving, or Wednesday, we were leaving to go to a week-long training camp in Tucson. And um, I, my doctor called me with the results like literally an hour before we're leaving. And still in denial, I packed my bike in the car. <laughs> um, she had a nice ride to Tucson and sat in the condo the entire week. But um, by the time I got there and, you know, got surrounded by friends and people that were just in a really good mood and encouraging. I mean, it took all of like 12 hours for me to get over it and, and just embrace that, you know, this is what I need to do for the next eight weeks. And if I do this, if I do what the doctor tells me to do, then I'm going to be fine. And so I really, I feel like I really embraced that recovery process and did a lot of things that I normally wouldn't do in the middle of a season. I went and walked the Grand Canyon and I am not even joking you. I walked. I did clear this with my doctor ahead of time. Um, he said, as long as I didn't slip and fall, I could go and walk. Um, and I went home and visited my family and, um, I did spend a lot of time on the treadmill walking uphill. <laughs> so you looked at it as opp opportunity, right? Yeah. Opportunity for, for different things. Yeah. And just, you know, did a lot of swimming and just, you know. So my question is, would you have always handled the situation like that in that way? Because I'm sure yeah. you've had challenges, similar challenges in, in some respect, maybe not an injury, but just. Yeah, I've, ne I've never really been injured before. And to be honest, I've never taken time off. I've been running since 2000. And other than like our quote unquote off season, Hillary will give me like a week of swim only and then a week of like maybe free choice. And actually last year was the first time ever that I had a week where she was like, you can't do any swimming, biking or running. And I was like, what the heck am I going to do for a week? You know, it was like terrifying to take a week off of triathlon. And even, you know, even in April, I was like, gosh, eight weeks, like that's a really long time. But I also kind of felt like, you know, at 41, I was like, well, a little bit of rest can't hurt me. And um, a friend of mine had shared a story about a similar situation where she dealt with a, um, hers was a pelvic fracture um, from a similar, it was like a traumatic fall. She was out for like 12 weeks and came back to run her fastest marathon ever. So I knew that, I knew that if I healed, if my body healed, everything would be okay. And it was. <laughs> so that's having some blind faith. It's having some belief yeah. that you're going to be okay. Yeah. Eight weeks out of triathlon, like that would scare a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people who have been doing it for so long. Yeah. And now I'm really grateful because now I'm not afraid of having an off season. You know, I'm not afraid of, you know, in December taking that time off and allowing my body to recover and, um, you know, just being ready to, to get after it again with a lot less inflammation and a lot less everything else going on in the body. So you did get after it yesterday. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> you, what did you do? Share with the, share with our listeners, uh, the joy of what yesterday brought. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. So actually by some weird twist of fate, a week before my accident in April, I had a dream, a very vivid dream that I won Ironman Lake Placid. And I wasn't even registered for Lake Placid. But when I woke up in the morning, there was like a moment where I was like, oh, my God, I'm going back to Hawaii. And then I was like, oh, wait, that was a dream like that. But it was so real. And I knew, you know, after 2016, I knew that I wanted to go back. Um, but I... I struggled with um, Hawaii in 2016 was really a really special experience. And then following that six months later with Ultraman, and that's just an entirely different, um, it's a different race. It's not 
Ironman. It's it's truly family, and to race over three days and be be supported by, you know, fifty other athletes, crew members, and and just going through that experience, coming off of that high, it was really hard for me to connect with the goal of doing another Ironman. And so I actually, in 2017, um, I canceled, I was supposed to do Ironman Wisconsin and I ended up pulling out of that just because I was a little bit not motivated to do it. Um, and then I did the back-to-back with Cabo in Arizona, which I wanted to do um, because that was a new challenge. I'd never done two Ironmans a week apart and I wanted that challenge, but I didn't feel super passionate about going all in at those two races. So after those were done, I kind of looked at the calendar and I was like, okay, I'm applying for Ultraman World Championships. I knew that. Um, and I thought it would be really cool to do both in one year. And so I picked out the races that I wanted to do. And of course that got screwed up. <laughs> but um, after my spring season got canceled and, and Josie talked to me about doing Ironman Mont-Tremblant, I had actually gotten on Ironman's website and the first race I looked at was Ironman Lake Placid because I was like, oh, this is meant to be. You know, I had this dream and it's meant to be. Um, and Iron and Lake Placid was sold out. So I was like, well, it's not meant to be Lake Placid, but um, I really want to do Mont-Tremblant and, you know, a dream is a dream and it doesn't matter if it's Lake Placid or Mont-Tremblant, it's, it's just me knowing that I'm ready and that it is possible. Yeah. So it's a sign, right? And and you can't get too carried away in the details yeah. of the sign. It's just the sign that yeah. you need to keep going. Like there's something, there's something drawing you to an event that you can showcase your most authentic swing. Yeah. Right. Yes. Like you, you watched uh, the Legend of Bagger Vance the night before uh, Iron Man, and, and it's it's based on the Bhagavad Gita, the book that we talk about a lot, and it, and he talks about finding your just being true to your most authentic swing, like who you are, what your relationship is to the experience that you're having. And so you listen yeah. to that and you didn't get caught up in like, oh, Lake Placid, I got to get in Lake Placid. I'm going to do charity. Like, yeah, no. No, it just... I mean, I could have spent $5,000 and done the charity, but I was like, <laughs> no, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so don't resist, like just welcome. Like, yeah. Okay, so that chance, okay, now that door is closed. What else is open? Yeah. And keep, keep moving forward. So you're pretty tenacious. Yeah. Right. I, I think so. <laughs> so, okay. So you're doing Mount Tremblant. It's on the plan. Yep. Um, and I feel like I, like just in my mind, I kind of staked my claim on this race. And, um, I honestly like didn't even look at the start list. I mean, there could have been like a dozen, people that were faster than me and I would never have known. Um, but it didn't matter. Um, I knew that I was going to come here and race my best. And if someone was going to beat me, they were going to have to be all in to do that. And you had this notion, you had this notion early because Jess actually said when she talked to you in Boulder, yeah, you said you're going to Tremblant and you're going to win your age group. Yeah, I did. And you had, so you had no doubts. no, how does some, how does someone become so firm in their beliefs without any inkling of an out or I I may win or I may not like how do you get that how do you get that strength and conviction? I mean I think it's just reinforcement over time and um, I mean I really think so. Uh, Rachel and I came to the High Vibe Retreat in October, mm -hmm. I think, and. Um, so I've been meditating since then, and um, Jess and I have been working one-on-one -on -one for the last, I mean, I feel like it's been maybe four or five, five months at least, I feel like, um, and that has been super helpful just to like learn how to reinforce the positive um, mental thoughts that I want to have and getting rid of really just removing the space for any negativity and any doubt. Um, because certainly there is a lot of that. And I'm not going to say that I never have doubts or ne never have negative thoughts, but just not 
not entertaining those, not giving them any space. And when they pop up, you just, you know, whatever you have to do, if it's a mantra to drown it out, or you're just like, literally like, I'm not, I hear you thought, but I'm just not going to entertain you right now. Like you have no business being here. (laughs) Yeah. You have a choice. Yeah. You do have a choice. And that's really, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned from all of, all of the meditation and work that Mm-hmm. just provides it's like you have a ch- you always have a choice yeah and it may not be the choices that you want but yeah. you have a choice yeah i'm not always going to choose the right way <laughs> the right thought the right action the right response um but definitely by sitting in meditation and allowing some space for quiet i've definitely become a lot more mindful in my everyday life and and seeing where that opportunity is to choose how I want to respond. And so from the time of Boulder, when you said that to Jess, that was June, you were well on your way because you, you had already, you were already committed to Mount yeah. Tremblant. So that's like yeah. June, July, August. I mean, the funny thing was I only had like 10 days of training under my belt at that point. For Boulder. For Boulder, yeah. yeah. But um, it didn't matter to me. I knew I had plenty of time. To, to get to that yeah. point. Physically, yeah. I knew. Yeah. Um, I knew, actually, when we started back up training, I realized that I hadn't lost any fitness because we had done so much walking. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but really, I mean, when I was at home, I think I went out and walked for like three hours. And I don't walk slow. I mean, I'm walking like four miles an hour minimum. And we did a lot of uphill, like I said, walking on the treadmill. And I think just having that strength in my legs, when I started running again, I was running just as fast as when I had stopped, only I felt fantastic. There was no soreness. There was no fatigue. There was no inflammation. There was no 12 years of Ironman racing on my legs. They were like brand new. I think that's super key because I, I know your coach too. And when athletes can't do the prescribed workout for any extended period of time, the run workout, yeah. whatever, and you give them walking, it's, it's tended to be yeah. red on training peaks. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But you're proving right there that you, you're able to do something. Yeah. So you can't run. What do you do? You walk. And yeah. What do you do? You walk long, mm-hmm. right? You, you're just taking that next step. And it doesn't mean you weren't going for a guaranteed of like, okay, I'm going to be able to run my, you know, seven minute, eight minute paces, whatever it is when I get back. All it was was this is what I need to do right now. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. So when you have a choice, do you feel that power? Mm -hmm. Like you chose to to say to Jess, like, I'm, you know, I'm going to go there and win my age group. And you did. It it came to fruition. Yeah. Um, And it wasn't, I mean, when I'm saying that to her or to my family and friends, um, it's not out of arrogance. It's out of belief in what I'm capable of. That's pretty powerful. (laughs) I think that's what people want to tap into. Yeah. I think people want that, Mary. I think they see that you have that. They want that. So, so how do they do that? And it's, it's, it's the things you're just talking about. Like you need, you need to do some work on the inside, Mm -hmm. right? You need to go in because Nothing else matters. The course, the conditions, no. the other athletes who who are going to show up. It doesn't matter. When yeah. all is said and done, it, it's just you. Yeah. And, and I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've failed because I've been in perfect fitness. But when the doubts creep up and I entertain them, I give up. And I mean, in 26, yesterday was Ironman number 26. And in 26 races... I mean, that's been the reality more often than not, unfortunately. And I think yesterday, I just chose not to entertain any thoughts, none. And I thought about, I mean, as far as my my execution, I was in the moment and what do I need right now? Um, How's my hydration? How's my nutrition? Um, Do I need to push harder? Do I need to back off? What do I need to do? And anytime that a thought came into my head, I just let it go. And, you know, it 
there just was no room for any negativity. It's almost what I'm seeing from you is like it's almost indescribable because mm-hmm. you probably were floating in that flow state. You were probably getting yeah. to a point where you would have no thoughts. Like the thoughts came in, but they went, and then you're like, "What are you stuck with?" Yeah, you're 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 right there in the moment. You're you're surrounded by everything. Your foot strike, the 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 breathing, yeah. your arm swing, like just embracing it all. Because when I passed you a few times, you were just super focused, and I said that on the bike too. Mm-hmm. Mary was five minutes ahead of me. Pretty consistently <laughs> on the bike yesterday. I saw her at the same spot. I'd be like timing. And then I'd reach that spot. And she, but she looked very focused, super just focused and smooth. So there was no rickety, you know, getting out of the saddle. Or at least I didn't see it. It was just yeah. very steady and, 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 and strong. So, yeah, so what did happen? So uh, you're going. Uh, so I won my age group. <laughs> <laughs> you won your age group at Ironman yeah. Mount Tremont, number one. Number one. First time ever, and I'm going back to Hawaii. That's amazing. <laughs> How did you qualify the first time? That was um, that was in Arizona, 2015, and I placed third and got a roll down slot. Okay, so now you just went out and put all yeah. doubt to rest and just like yeah. And I knew I, I kind of figured that our age group would have two slots, and it did, but I really wanted to win. You wanted that jacket, that sweet jacket. Dude, that's amazing. I didn't even know we were going to – I've never seen them give out jackets before. It's like a Canada thing. They're they're like a next level. They are. Like everything here has been next level. The Portageons have sinks inside of them, which is pretty cool. You're kidding me. Oh, my God. You can actually wash your hands. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) But this jacket, it's pretty amazing. Uh, Mary came back from accepting her her, um, age group award, and obviously only one person gets it per age group. It just says – what does it say? It's like a, it's an Iron Man finisher's jacket, like one of the really nice ones. And on the back, it says age group champion. It's pretty cool. There's only one of those for each age group. <laughs> it's so amazing. So we asked some people some questions and um, I've got some questions here. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about um, how the – well, we talked about the qualification process. We talked about meditation. Um, mantras. Did you have a mantra? Yeah, I had a couple um, that I had that just a, a couple that I had chosen or had come to me. Um, and one, my primary one in the week leading up to the race. Um, so I, I Skyped with Jess on Tuesday, I think Tuesday. And um, I don't remember what she said, but like when she was talking, this mantra just like popped into my head and I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is like my new mantra. Cause I've been working with the same mantra since October and it's fine. It still works. But I was like, this is my new mantra. Um, so it, it was two parts. Um, number one, nullify all doubt. Um, and that came from Jess. Um, but the second part was, um, joy is my wheelhouse or oh, I like that one. kind of the, the other one that I was using was I operate from joy that's just been since Hawaii, especially racing with joy and just really feeling passionate about what I'm doing in races and choosing races um, has been really important to me. And um, so to be able to think about that in my lead up and in my preparation um, just helps me stay calm and keeps me excited and um, ready to go. Another one was um, a mantra that I'd used in 2015 before Ironman Arizona, and I was reminded of it um, the night before the race, and it was um, show your cards. And it was kind of a a play on poker, and um, I own the winning hand, and if someone is going to beat me, they're going to have to be all in and, or or fold, you know, and that's... And you're fine. okay with that. I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a knowing. That's, that's, it's confidence, right? It's confidence in probably from how many years you've been racing. Yeah. 26 uh. Ironmans, <laughs> 20 years. 11 years of Ironman racing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, 12, so 13 years of travel. You, you gained some confidence from that, but also you had some great success, but, but you're also, you're putting the whole mix together. Like you've got the, the physical, you've got the mental, yeah. you've got the goals, you've got the mantras. Like you're you're putting this stew together, this whole like Mary Not <laughs> stew stew that um that's placing you on the top of the podium. Yeah. 
Yeah. So someone's going to have to call your bluff. Yeah. Yeah. What was your old mantra? What's the one, if you don't mind sharing, what's the one you're ditching? Um, Put you on the spot. I know. Now I'm going to have to, I have been like repeating this one over and over. So now I'm going to have to see if I can remember it. Oh, it was just um, inhaling joy and contentment, exhaling fear and doubt. Mm. Another good one. And that came out of the High Vibe Retreat in October. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, the breath is powerful, right? The breath, you breathe in what you want, you breathe out what you don't. Yeah. And that came from um, when we were at the High Vibe Retreat and I had the very first one-on-one with Jess and she was asking me, like, what was holding me back and you know, you have this fear and doubt and what's the opposite of that joy and contentment. It's a tough question though. Yeah. When you're like the opposite. Oh my God. Like, yeah. What is it? Like you have to think about that. Yeah. Or at least I did when that question was posed to me. It's a deep question. Yeah. Cause I think There's we all so have much involved. Yeah. You want to go in different, there's different directions to, to grasp the fear. Yeah. And, and, and when you start to like, dig in is it fear of not only not being good enough not succeeding in your goal but it goes even deeper like yeah. you start investigating things in your life yeah right in your your work life your social networks like everything becomes um gets under a microscope yeah yeah it opens up so much this is so awesome nutrition Everybody loves to know about <laughs> nutrition so all right yeah so why we were here though this is a good question why we're here in Canada yeah. Like, how do we navigate nutrition? I'll, you go first, and then I'll, I'll share my thoughts. Um, well, we are in a condo, so we do have a kitchen. And you flew into Boston and drove up with Eleanor, so you actually had the opportunity to stop and pick up some grocery supplies. And I've been just letting you cook for me because I've been lazy. <laughs> so I've been eating a plant-based diet this week. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, Mary. Um, I think you went out to eat one at least one night. Um, oh yeah, with, with Scott. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I I was able to st- I wanted to stop at Whole Foods. We didn't they didn't open early enough, so we stopped at a co-op in Hanover, New Hampshire. Amazing, amazing spot. And just picked up the regulars. If you guys know our food, we pretty much just get down to the basics: pasta, uh, tempeh sandwiches on pita bread. But also we had a day or two before then where you know I had salad, and chickpeas, and things like that. But the best meal. I also bought a lot of bananas again. Yeah. We have extra bananas. But we uh, we made our post-race nachos. What did you think of those, Mary? Okay, those were amazing. But I thought you were going to say the pancakes. <laughs> oh, the pancakes, <laughs> so yeah. those were pretty good too. But actually, yeah, the, the post-race nachos, they definitely take the cake. <laughs> so pancakes, what do, you, what do you normally have before a race? Like the breakfast, the morning before a race? Not the morning of the race, but the, the day before. I don't even know. I don't even think I have so a routine. you don't think about it that much? Yeah. I should now that I, I mean, maybe it was the pancakes. Yeah. So we kept serving up pancakes after pancakes. I made four, four servings of pancakes. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. We ate three quarters of a bottle of of syrup, maple syrup. (laughs) But that's, that's what we do. And I'm going to explore doing that a little more often because I enjoyed them so much. Yeah. That was good. All right. Going into the race, we know that you were pretty confident. Mm-hmm. How about going into the race the morning of? Yeah, this was by far the least stressed I've felt um, at a race and the least amount of anxiety I've had on race morning. And I think that was a combination of a couple of different things, but, you know, it just worked out perfectly. <laughs> you can't nail it down to, I mean, it's, yeah. I wish it's a concoction of everything you've been doing. Yeah, it is. And um, when I when I had to pull out of all the, the races in the springtime, um, I still went to those because my husband was racing. And um, But I signed up for Montremblant knowing that he wasn't going to be able to come with me because of obligations at the store. This is like peak cross-country season. Um, so we have team fittings basically every weekend, and I knew he wasn't going to be able to come. Um, but... It was kind of nice because he's a bit of a social butterfly, and when we go to races, he wants to be out at the expo, and he wants to go to the pro panel, and he wants to, you know, see this and do that, and I'm like, I just kind of want to hibernate in the hotel room, and 
um, I, I end up allowing myself to be dragged along to all these different events. And so to be able to come here and like literally go do my workouts, go do what I need to do at the check-in or, you know, registration or whatever, and then come back to the hotel and just sit and read a book or watch a movie or whatever. Like that was just, I was so relaxed and really didn't, I mean, I had very minimal interaction with anybody before the race. But that's tough to do, isn't it? Like, especially being, yeah. especially being part of Smash too, and you've got yeah. athletes here. And there was a big group and yeah. they were all getting together for dinner. And I was just like, I can't like, for me, like I am a little bit introverted and okay, maybe not a little, maybe a lot, but, um, that's okay. I just, that all that means is that I don't get my energy from being in groups of people. It means that I get my energy from time that I'm by myself and I love hanging out with people and I love socializing. But for me prior to a race, um, that just saps a lot of energy and it's not worth it. So why, that's great. Why would you work so hard? Yeah. And then like, just give away you all do a lot energy. of training on your own. I know you yeah. go on bike rides with Scott and stuff, but it's like you can do all that, but isn't your energy better spent? Yeah. Conserving it in, in the final, like this, we're talking about the, this is the 1%, yeah. like right before the race. Yeah. Like you want to be the at the last top. three days. So like, whatever makes yeah. you comfortable and calm yeah. is, is super important, right? you got big goals. Yeah. It's just not to go out and finish an Ironman. Yeah. Right, you can sleep your way through in that. Exactly, <laughs> literally, it'd be funny to see that. Um, what else we got here? Do you have? Yeah, you have questions. Yeah, yeah. So we put it out, or Mary put it out to her group to find out some insight in. in what did they want to know? Yeah, what do these people want to know about Mary Nut? So um, here's some here's an easy one, and then we'll go to a, maybe a not so easy one. Um, so this is from Audra, and she wants to know what is our favorite thing about. Montreblanc, Ironman Montreblanc. Favorite thing here is definitely, I love the vibe yeah. here. The vibe of the Canadians, they're super excited to have us and everything has been brought up like tenfold yeah. in what I've seen. I went to the general store to buy some floss and the, 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 uh, the attendant, their cash register, cash register, what do you call them? the um, staff person yeah, behind the desk. Sure. I was checking out and she was just like, okay, here you go. And she was like, boom. <laughs> I was like, all right. But she's got that Canadian accent. Yeah. Um, but the people here are super, super kind and, and helpful. And I just really liked it. Except for the woman, very strict down at the pre-swim. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was. Yeah. She had rules. She had some rules yeah. that we needed to abide by, but mm -hmm. she was responsible for people mm -hmm. swimming in the water. So I get it. But yeah, it, it's really amazing community here. Like I, like I mentioned, you know, people talked about Mount Tremblant being a lot like Placid. And Placid has a great community too. Really, really nice community. Up here, it's, it's very more chalet type. Like very, mm -hmm. I don't know, like the ski resort's like tucked away. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Would you share, your, share your thoughts on Yeah. I mean, kind of along the same lines. I mean, the, the entire community has really gotten behind this race to, to the point that the swim um, company, for lack of a better word, that you mentioned, um, they literally have a swim course in the lake that is 2.4 miles long, um, and it is dedicated... I mean, the, the name, I don't, I can't speak French, um, but the name of this uh, facility has something to do with Ironman training. Like it's, it's like the Ironman swim training facility or something like that. Um, they literally built so that if you wanted to come out here and train for a week in preparation for this race, um, you have everything at your disposal and they have um, permanent signage on both the bike and the run course um, on the, the route. So you don't, I mean, you can like hop on your bike and leave the village and just follow the signs and know exactly where you're going. You don't have to worry about getting lost. It's extremely safe. There's a shoulder the whole way. It's practically brand new asphalt. I mean, it, those roads were pristine. Um, and the course itself is stunning. It's 
an honest course. It's very hilly, but it's beautiful. And you, you, you have a mix. You have hills. I, I feel like the bike course was primarily hills, not not all super steep, like kind of rolling in the first half. And then there was like a big climb in the back half. Um, but on the run course, you had half of the race was very, very hilly. And then half of the race was on this beautiful bike path that was pretty much flat. So it was like a little bit of everything and it was perfect. Yeah. That run course, when I, when we took a ride yeah. out there, it's been out there for that ride before the race, like couldn't stop smiling. No, it was so perfect. Awesome. It's like new pavement or yeah. And it's like super shaded. Yeah. I remember times on the run where I was getting a little cold during the shade. Yeah. Just like running through the woods. Yeah. And deer, deer were everywhere. Uh, Yeah. Uh Yeah. We saw deer on the bike course and on the run course. (laughs) You saw deer on race day too, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I saw him, I saw him on the run course. It's really a, a really amazing venue. If you guys get a chance to come up to Montreal, uh, to Mount Tremblant. Really, really cool spot. Um, yeah. So what else? Um, so Dan wants to know how did we refocus after the delayed start? Mm. So we got down to, um, so our, our, let me back up. Our hotel is literally a hundred yards from transition. So we got up in the morning, went down to transition, did all the stuff we had to do and then came back up to the hotel and um, just kind of hung out here. I did another little 10-minute meditation. And then um, before we were going to walk to the swim, we put our wetsuits on here and walked down. We were just kind of planned to be there sort of at the last minute. We were like in the parking lot, putting the finishing touches on, zipping up our wetsuits. I took my gel, like chased it with the water, threw it away. And then we walk into the corral and Mike Riley is announcing that they're going to delay the start because of fog. (laughs) So I was like, okay, we're going to delay the start. And then it got pushed back and then it got pushed back. And in the end, I think we were delayed a full hour. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it was fine. Like, I don't feel like it really affected my race or my performance at all. Um, And I don't know if that's maybe because I feel like at most Ironmans, I don't have the luxury of coming back to the hotel. And so there is a lot of standing around waiting um, and killing time. So in a way, it kind of felt a little bit normal. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and I, you know, we just like sat there and kind of ignored what everyone else was doing because people are chit-chatting and... Yeah, that energy was high. Yeah. I was feeling it. I almost feel... When the energy outside is high, I go in yeah. even deeper yeah, and kind of tune that stuff out because you can see the questions and the, yeah. the, the people that felt wronged that they yeah. have a delayed start and, and they get caught up in, in all of that. But I, I kind of put my awareness a few times on Lionel Sanders because I could see him and he was just completely calm. Yeah. Like I was actually questioning why he was wearing a wetsuit when the pros don't wear wetsuits, but I, but back in my mind and I know he knew it too. Like he knows what he's doing. Like he's just staying warm. He's got a plan. Yeah. And he was super calm, like walking back and forth, got in for a pre-swim. And And actually there was another guy. um, I think he was just an age grouper, but he was kind of sitting over by the fence in the sand. And I mean, to me, he looked like he was meditating. He had his eyes closed. He was kind of like, you could tell he was like, having his own little moment. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, it's a good opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so take advantage of, of, again, look at it as an opportunity. Like, what can you do in those times when there's a delayed swim or you're on the bike and they have a railroad crossing and, you, yeah. like, in Santa Rosa, you have to wait. Like, And I how- think, I mean, I think Mike Riley says it best. You have You have control over one thing and that's your attitude. You know, I can't control that they're going to delay the swim or cancel the swim or that there's going to be rain or fog or snow or it's going to be 100 degrees. I have zero control over that. So so why spend the energy? Why spend the energy worrying right. about it? And we're all racing in the same conditions. So it's fine. But I think that opens up another question because then people, people prepared a certain way. Yeah. They weren't preparing for the event. They were preparing that they're a strong swimmer and then they're just going to, you know, beat people out and then they'll take it from there. Like yeah. you 
prepare your prepare yourself fully. And that may not just be in training. It may be with the mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the way that I prepare is that at an Ironman race, there's going to be minimum three things that come up that are not what you planned and you better be able to adapt because when you can't adapt, that's when you're not going to finish or you're not going to have the race that you wanted to race. So I think you, I, I think if you're serious about racing, that should be part of your preparation is planning to adapt. I can agree more. Yeah. You need to have that mental focus. You need to have the ability to shift direction mm -hmm. whenever it calls. Like it may not be when you want it to. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get to choose. <laughs> you don't get to choose that. In that <laughs> but you get to choose your relation. You get to yeah, choose what you, you do next. Yeah. 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 That's good. Yeah. So if you're out there and, and you're worried about a swim being canceled, it's really out of your control. Yeah. It's really out of your control. All you can do is show up and just take the, take the next step. And, and a simple a simple practice, if you're looking for something to do during that time, you're just waiting there, just take a few deep breaths, close mm -hmm. your eyes, go within. Yeah. Like, talking to your friends and you know listening to conversations around you is not moving you forward on this day in, in the best capacity of yourself. Yeah. What you can do is internalize, take a few breaths, how can you stay warm? How can you stay active and, and ready when that gun goes off that you're that you're set to go? Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's just a simple thing that you can do um, when you're waiting. And usually it's not an hour. I haven't experienced an hour before. It's usually been like ten or fifteen yeah. minutes. Yeah. Just to put out bu like buoys or something. Yeah. <laughs> Normally for smaller <laughs> events. But yeah, those are those are some things you can do. Um, next question. Actually, the, I'll I'll put these two in one question because they're, they're from Shane and then Sierra. Um, so Shane wants to know, have you always been a strong athlete or have you built your way up? And if the latter, how? And then Sierra asks, were you always great at all three sports of triathlon or which did you do originally? So my background, I don't come from the sports background. I grew up active. I'll say that. And I danced and I was a cheerleader in high school um, but I didn't take up running until I graduated from college in 2000 and it was a way just to get in shape and lose some weight. I had put on some weight in the six years I was in college, but, but really once I started running, it was a matter of probably 18 months and I was doing marathons and then it was another four years before I moved to Arizona and took up triathlon. So it evolved pretty quickly. And by the time I moved to Arizona, I was pretty serious about running. Um, I was improving my times and looking to qualify for Boston and, and all of those things. So I was taking that seriously. Um, but yeah, I did not come from, from any sort of sporting background and I've just worked really hard to improve. And I think swimming came pretty naturally. I learned how to swim as a child um, I never swam competitively, but I, I learned how to swim and my sister was a competitive swimmer. So I kind of blame a little bit on genetics. I feel like I have the body type to be a decent swimmer and I kind of, you know, fancied myself a runner, even though I was never really, really fast. Um, I was fast enough to go to Boston a few times and, and do the things I wanted to do running, but I had to work really, really, really hard on the bike. And that was something that um, my coach helped develop because I didn't know how. Um, and I had been doing triathlon for a number of years before I asked her to coach me. And, I mean, she revolutionized my bike training when we got together. That has been a long road. And I feel like, I feel like I'm still young enough in the sport that we're continuing to make progress in that area. But now I feel like the bike is actually one of my strengths. Ironically, I had the fastest bike time in my age group yesterday, and that's not that's not new. Um, I feel like I pretty consistently come off the bike near the top of my age group, and so I feel like I have turned that weakness into a strength just from working hard. So I'll 
add another question. Have you always worked hard in your life? I know you didn't do, always no. do sports, but have you always worked hard? Like, can you remember? No. No. <laughs> no. Um, and, you know, again, it all just like goes back to fear. Um, we were chatting earlier and um, I shared a couple stories. So when I when I was in high school, there was a boy that I liked um, on the cross country team. So my senior year in high school, uh, I went out for cross country and my best friend and I like ran all summer long probably two miles, three times a week, something like that. And on the first day of practice, um, she totally bailed on me, didn't even show up. And I went and ran with the group. And this is like, I'm, this is my senior year. And I'm running with kids who've been running like their whole lives. And I think we did a three mile loop and I totally got my ass kicked. I was in tears by the end. I was like, I'm never, like, I never went back again. And the coach is like, come, you just need to come back and give it another try. I'm like, no, I can't do this. Like, I am not meant for this. <laughs> and we laugh about it now. <laughs> but yeah, and the, I mean, and that wasn't, that like didn't go away right away when I wanted to get serious about running. My husband would take me out for tempo runs and I would fake asthma attacks because it got to that point where you're pushing hard and, and there's all these new sensations that you're not familiar with and you're convinced you're going to die. And so you're like, I need to stop doing this right now. <laughs> and now I just ignore all of that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't no. come into your awareness. No, yeah. So like yesterday on the bike when it was like my quads are burning, I feel like death. I was like, oh, this is how it's supposed to feel. <laughs> right. This is why you do all the training yeah. to get to this point where yeah. you can... I can I up. can hold it here because this is how it's supposed to feel. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> I was a basketball player in high school and a soccer player. And that was about it. So I guess I ran a little. But this is this is actually an interesting question because I've I've been going back finding little signs of things in the past that would s sort of shine a light on where I am today. And when I first started triathlon, I was, I couldn't swim at all. I couldn't make it to the end of the, end of the pool. I'm one of those people who could not, I, it would freak me out. And I actually was working with my coach just to get in the water and go under the water and just hold my breath for like two or three seconds just to be okay before I started my swims. And the bike, I didn't own a bike. I think the first bike I really owned was a mountain bike when we moved to Colorado <laughs> in 2001. But, and then running, well, running is where I'm looking back and I, it was actually like sophomore year in high school, I injured my knee severely and I couldn't play basketball junior year. And when I came back, I, I, can't, I think I came back in the fall, I think it was the fall and I couldn't play basketball. So I, a friend of mine asked if I would go do this cross-country meet for the school. And I was like, all right, I'll just go run for the cross-country team. Like, why not? And I can't remember the distance or anything, but I ended up finishing like fourth overall. Yeah. And I was like, I've been thinking about this. I'm like, wow, I just jumped into a cross-country meet in like junior or senior year of high school. And, and I'm one place away from like, I was like, that's interesting. But I never went back to cross-country. I never did any more running yeah. after that. And the same thing happened in triathlon where – I actually would get through the swim. I would hammer the bike and then I'd get onto the run and I would just fade. I would just be awful. Like I just didn't have any concept or feel for what it is to run. Yeah. And I think the same way, like a, a light bulb went off and it's like, I'm going to nail this run thing. Like I need to figure this run thing out. And that's when I just went head first into to learning to, to run, to, yeah. to, to put some time on my legs. And, and it's, to this day, it's my strength. Like I feel mm -hmm. in my mind, like I I can run strong. It now comes there's very naturally. Yeah, yeah. like it comes. It's we were talking about it today. Like I get to that feeling, like you know, 10, 11 miles into the run, and my quads hurt. But it's just this is the way it is. Yeah, this is just the way it is, and yeah. it's my relationship to how that's feeling. It's not going to slow me down. It's yeah. not like my knees are going to break or anything. It's just constant sensation over yeah. and over again, the pounding. And if you can just focus and keep moving forward, then that stuff sort of just falls back. Yeah. So, yeah, so my background is nothing to do with triathlon. And there's no reason why I think I should 
being an endurance sports. Although Jess, when Jess came into my life, she said I was very patient and I could quietly endure whatever yeah. that was, a conversation <laughs> with a family member or <sighs> whatever it was, I could just sit there and endure. If it meant, you know, holding a door open for an hour, I could hold the door open for an hour. Like it was just something I would just yeah. program to do. But yeah, I guess that's that's how I came to to this sport. And just putting all three together is such it's such a magic magical masterpiece. Like you you create it. I'm starting to think of it like an artist. Like the day that you had yesterday, Mary, you created that. Yeah. Like you had signs and you put the work in, but but when you were stepped your foot into that water and started your day, that was your masterpiece. Whether you went to the left or to the right whether you cited every three strokes or four strokes, like that's your creation. Yeah. That's your magical potion. And it took you through the whole day. Now you have this piece of artwork. Yeah. You literally have a piece of artwork now that with your, <laughs> and your win. But it's that, that no, no artwork will look the same either. Like each, mm -hmm. all 26 Ironmans have probably looked completely, completely different, different, never yeah. the same. So it's almost like you're given the opportunity to go out and just share your gift with the world and just create something that's, that's, and I know you can relate to this just deep down inside of you and just waiting to come out yeah. like a knowing and it just comes out and this is what it looks like. Yep. Here's my Kona qualifier number two. This is it. Yeah. Today. Yeah. Like the next one will be different. Yeah. And there will be a next one. <laughs> All right. What other questions do you have? Or do, yeah. Um, so what um, Steve wants to know, how much training are we doing tomorrow, which is actually today. It's Monday. Um, and why don't I have a rest day? So, <laughs> um, today we actually just went out for an hour easy spin and 30 minutes in the lake. Um, no wetsuit, just chilling. Um, and I do, I do have a rest day. Actually, I have a rest day on Wednesday. Um, but I think that, I think recovery involves being active and flushing all of the lactic acid, all of the inflammation, all of the soreness out of the body. Um, and that happens by moving. It doesn't happen by sitting on the couch. So, um, yeah, usually the first week after an Ironman, it'll be a lot of short, easy, just flushing the body type of movement. Any runs? Yeah, I'll run tomorrow um, just for like 20 minutes um, and then hop in the pool and swim. It's a pretty low impact, yeah. like low time. Yeah. Yeah. And bike is always good. Mm -hmm. But you said something this morning when you got in the water. You were like, I don't know. Or you told me afterwards, you're like, I started to swim for a little bit. I'm like. Yeah. I was like, when we were getting in the lake, I was like, God, I just really don't feel like swimming. Um, just not, not because I didn't feel like swimming. It was just, I was tired. Yeah. And so, you know, we're supposed to swim for 30 minutes and I was like, eh, I'll just swim 500 and turn around and come back. Like, it's fine. But we got to 500 and I was like, eh, I can go farther. So we did the whole 30 minutes <laughs> and it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> yeah. And I was actually, I mean, like once you get moving, I mean, it's the same thing. Like when you, people always say, when you don't feel like doing something, just go out the door for like five minutes. And if you haven't changed your mind in five minutes, then fine, give up if you must. But chances are in five minutes you're going to change your mind and it's going to be fine and you're going to finish the workout, whatever that looks like. Yeah, I felt that too. I felt like my, my shoulders. I'm like, I should have worn my wetsuit because Mary <laughs> wasn't going in with a wetsuit. So I'm like, ah, all right, I'm not going to go in a wetsuit. It's probably better for the body because it was cooler, Yeah, cooler water. But I was feeling, whoa, my shoulders. Okay, maybe I should. And then I was just like, no, just just take a next stroke, take your next stroke. Okay, there's Mary. Just try and catch up. Yeah. Like there she's there she is. But it's so true. You just need to take those first steps. And the first steps can can lead you down a really really long road, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And find out what's at the end of it. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Jess had one question. Do you have any more? I have one more, yeah. but we'll save it. Okay. We'll save it. All right. So Jess asked. Um, she had talked to me the night before. Um night before the race and we don't get too caught up in like we need to talk to each other we need to like yeah. it's just like if the conversation flows or if we connect we connect but i know i have a knowing that she's there backing me mm -hmm. at every point i don't we don't have to speak 
Um, and when I, when she talked to me, she said she heard a tone that I'd never heard before in, in, in my voice. And she said, was it a quiet confidence? And uh, if it was, how has that changed from a year ago? And do I have confidence now? And what the heck happened on my swim? Mm-hmm. So quiet confidence is like the... It's like the description of who I am, pretty much. Yeah. Like, or it has been because I've been I've been a quiet person, um, but very confident. Mm-hmm. And so I don't showboat, or I just remember that in basketball. Like I would never like showboat. It was just like I go in, I get the job done, yeah. and then I and then I and I move on. So it's kind of ingrained in me. But I, what I will say is, what's happened in the past year or so is, is just a, a, a firmer belief. Mm-hmm. that where I'm going is exactly where I need to be going. And I know that because of all these little signs that are showing up, the signs of of a great run in Santa Rosa. Like I, I came back and I really had a good race. It wasn't the position I wanted, but I had a good race. Mm-hmm. And then in Boulder, four weeks later, yeah. coming in six, like breaking the top 10, that's a little sign. Yeah. And then yesterday, like at 102 swim, I've never... Yeah. Come close to that. But but I can say I've done a lot of different things this season. A lot of different things. Mixing up workouts. Making, mixing up routines. Mm-hmm. Going on these crazy rides to just log mileage and, and put myself in the, in the position where I'm forced to make a decision on a tired mind. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. Put yourself in those positions and see how you come out the other yeah. side. And that begins to change. Like it may not be suitable for everyone at the start like what i like to do is just say go into your bathroom and when you go to brush your teeth use your opposite hand like (laughs) use just make a tiny change that you're not used to yeah and then progress and progress to a point where you're going out for eight hour rides because you got lost because you wanted to take a new route yeah you just you figure things out yeah like that's how things happen but it starts small it starts super small so to answer your question i'm I'm more confident than I've ever been. And I have a knowing that it's, it's, it's going to happen. My, it will happen. I'm so confident of it. And I've got the universe behind me. But I also think meditation has gotten really deep into not just, you know, getting into the habit of doing meditation. It's like I'm going to do some work on myself. Yeah. And like, like get that shovel out mm-hmm. and dig up some dirt. Yeah. And figure out what the, what the roots of things are. So, yeah, I think also also on the swim specifically, you know, Mary, you know, gave me a few workout sessions, which which really changed my perspective of the swim and going and what is going hard and what is what is being mindful in in each session. And and also, I want to say, getting in the open water and getting in the ocean, a thing that scares the hell out of me. I've done more often this season than I've done ever. Yeah. So, so it's just exploring the things that scare you or cause fear and actually flipping the switch and going after them. Yeah. So if you start having that mindset of like, oh, that scares me. Or today, oh, wetsuit. I'm not going to use the wetsuit. Like, yeah. Just go out. Like, it's, but it's those moments. <laughs> you need to be present in those moments to make the choice yeah. to choose your non- like you, the the pattern thought like yeah. to choose away from it. Yeah. So I really think that's that's the shift that's happened. And surrounding myself with just amazing athletes. I do this all the time. Um to spend a weekend with with Mary who's a, a two-time qualifier and and to soak up Mary doesn't even need to say anything. It's just you just soak up the the calmness and strength and same goes for Kevin Portman, like putting myself in in the company of greatness mm-hmm. exudes greatness. So I don't want to put myself in company with stuff that will not move me forward. Yeah. I want to put myself in, in, in a community, a selective community yes. that, and, and there's no offense taken there. It's not like to, to, to shout people out. It's just when you have goals, you need to be all in. Yeah. And it it goes down to the the people that surround you, and and I've been very lucky and fortunate to have great people around me. Yeah, yeah. All right, final question. So Jan wanted to know how this race compared to my race in Ironman Arizona twenty fifteen, 
And is there such a thing as having two perfect races? So um, yeah, what happened in 2015? Let's. So 2015, um, we we recapped that in the last podcast. Okay. Um, so I won't go like super in depth, but um, basically, like I had been so focused on qualifying for Kona, and that was like my entire focus and goal for like three years. And, um, like two months before the race, I was like, I'm not going to think about Kona. Like I, there was a lot of anxiety in my life at the time. I was like, I'm going to do this race. I'm going to race hard, but I'm, I can't, I need to like not think about it. Um, it's still a goal. It's still the plan, but it's, we're just going to like, just worry about the race. Don't worry about Kona. I feel like it was very similar to yesterday in that, in the execution on that day, like I just didn't have any thoughts. I wasn't thinking about anything. Um, I was just doing what I knew that I could do. Um, and that race in 2015, I feel like execution wise was still significantly better than yesterday. Just on the, I feel like, um, my run in 2015 was a lot more consistent. I held a more consistent pace throughout. Even at the end, I was like nailing the pace that I needed to run. And I feel like my nutrition and hydration were spot on. And I think yesterday I did a, I did a really good job, um, with that as well. But, um, when we came off the bike, um, I took a gel at like mile one, which is very typical for me. Um, and it didn't sit well. And so I knew like, okay, this is, this plan's going out the window now. We're going to have to improvise. And so I just made the decision right then and there that I wasn't taking any more gels and that I was going to rely on Pepsi. And I took Pepsi at every aid station. And then at some point I started to feel hungry. So I started eating bananas. So it was like the run yesterday was Pepsi and bananas and thank God it worked well <laughs> because that would have been not great. <laughs> um, so they were, they were similar, but different. I definitely fell apart a little bit on the second lap of the run. This run, this run course is a lot more challenging than Arizona. And the second loop I was running about 15 seconds per mile slower than the first lap. That said, I did manage to run a marathon PR yesterday. No, not marathon, but an Ironman marathon PR um, by like a minute. So <laughs> any PR, so that was good. Yeah, I was thrilled. <laughs> so how does that compare? So how did that? Compare? How did it compare? And is there such thing as two perfect races? And and honestly, like there can be a thousand perfect races. I think that um, my approach to racing and my approach to Ironman is constantly evolving in what drives me and what motivates me. And so 2015 was absolutely a perfect race. I think yesterday um, could probably go down as a perfect race. I think, I think Kona 2016 was a perfect race, but I think that there's room for more perfect races. Well, if you continue the the dedication and hard work and attention to detail. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. going to be great races. And with your fearless attitude, as you keep nullifying doubt, right? You keep yeah. removing that doubt. Yeah. Doubt's sticky. It's very sticky. But yeah. you just keep clearing, clearing it out and more and more of it gets out. There's less of it. Yeah. Less of it around. Yeah. So what's next, Mary? So now I've got Ironman Hawaii in like six weeks or so. I don't, I haven't even looked at the calendar. I don't know. Um, and then about six weeks after that is Ultraman World Championships also in Hawaii. Which one? Well, it's a good question. Which one would be more fulfilling? Um... That is a tough question. <laughs> or are they both equally because it's yeah. it's part of it's part of it's part of like the highlight of your whole season. Like you, yeah, you you were down. This and was come my back. goal. Yeah, yeah. So this is this was my goal from like May of 2017. So um, when I did Ultraman Australia, and I was like, hmm, I really liked this. 
I feel like I'm really suited to endurance. Um, and so I'm going to throw my hat in for Ultraman World Championships in 2018. And when I made that decision, I was like, it would be cool to do both. And the, the interesting thing, I mean, I think the reason I have a hard time picking is because the island of Hawaii is so special. It truly is a magical place. And not just for Iron Man. I mean, I think it's it's much more than that. I mean, there's a there's definitely a spiritual vibe there um, that I really connect with. And so I had just a super special experience there in 2016. And I have no doubt that October is going to be similar to that. And then I think that um, Ultraman combining the atmosphere of the island with the Ultraman vibe, um, which is Ohana Kokua Aloha, work family love, um, it's just going to make it that much more special. So I guess if I had to pick one, it would be Ultraman. <laughs> All right. We nailed it down. Yeah, we nailed it down. <laughs> it's, it's Ultraman. <laughs> Unbelievable. Mary, what I saw this whole weekend was just truly inspiring. And it's hard to put it into words because you, you go about it so calmly and so confidently. <laughs> But what you put together was just was really amazing, and you should be super, super stoked. I know you are, but proud of yourself and proud of all the work that you put in because you know what it takes to get here, and you know what it's going to take to get back each and every time. It's, yeah. it's going to be a lot of work, and there's no one else I know that could dive in as deeply as you can to, to <laughs> each of these races. So congratulations again. Two-time Kona qualifier, Mary Knott. <laughs> Ultraman champion soon, Lake Placid <laughs> champion, according to the dreams. <laughs> I might have to go to back, back to Lake Placid one day. <laughs> if you want to follow Mary, she's at Finding Kona on Instagram. Yep. Probably the best place to find her. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you. All right.